As we continue to journey through the I Believe in Love book, thank you once again for joining Fred and I. Um, we're, we're still very excited. I think, you know, this is probably our fifth read through the book. Yes. And it's been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Like it's speaking to us yeah. where we are currently yeah. in our life and our ministry and, and all these things. It's like, wow, I needed that. Wow. I need, like every yes. page has felt that way. I know. You know. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it. So hopefully it's doing that for you. One thing I will say is, I'm sure I'm going to say this for every single chapter because this is only conference too, but I will say, I think this is one of the main chapters for me that every single time I read it, it's almost like um, an interior challenge. Like, oh, do I have that faith? Like, do I have humility? Do I have, you know, and so it almost makes you look at your own interior life and allow God to challenge you to grow in it. I agree with you. And like, that confidence he and he actually spends two chapters in the book talking mm-hmm. about confidence but this is the first one of those humility yeah. like confidence and humility sometimes they can feel like opposites but what right. he's saying is the confidence we need is one that requires humility right you know so yeah it's beautiful how he how he articulates that yeah and uh i don't know sometimes it wrecks me sometimes it every inspires time it me. Yeah, yeah 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 every time if i'm honest um Sometimes it inspires me. I feel like, yeah, both of those are accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the way we kind of um, do these discussions is really to to talk about like what stood out to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some of it will resonate with you and the same things stood out to you or you have, I'm I'm a writer, like I just scribble in my margins and Mm -hmm. the majority of my notes are hearts and stars. Right, yeah. So if ever, this is... This is kind of how I, my brain thinks. Like if ever I die and like, you know, Rome would like to come and see you and uh-huh. read my writings or whatever to see if I can be a saint, they're just going to be like, oh, this book belonged to Kara. It has hearts. Oh, that's so wise. It has stars. <laughs> right. like, like there's nothing significant yeah. in the margins. It's just like love. <laughs> love nice. Yup. <laughs> yeah. I do have things written, but it's the kind of things where like only I would understand what these words mean. Yes. You yes. Know. You do that in your notes for talks too, like yeah. like old lady story from right. restaurant. Or, yeah. I'm like, I right. don't know what that is. Yeah. Spaghetti. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of things stood out. I have a lot of hearts and stars in my margins. I'll just say that. Um, one of the biggest things that I felt like was kind of a theme throughout this, obviously it's titled Humble Confidence, but one of the things that really um, struck me was just the attention that the author gives to mercy and the lesson of mercy. And one of my favorite um, favorite quotes, it's on page 26. It says that, um, that God is attracted to our misery. Like his mercy is attracted to our misery. And I think that's so beautiful. Like just how often do we actually think that? It actually says mm-hmm. a, a few pages later, we are trained to look at our wretchedness and our ugliness. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually like paused on this one because I'm like, why can't we be trained to look at God's love? Right. Yeah. Like it's a hundred percent true. And who are we trained by? We're trained by the devil. We're trained by demons, like to look at like all of the things that we did wrong or mm-hmm. to feel guilt for all of the ways that we turned against God, as opposed to instead being trained to look at all of the ways that a loving and merciful father wants to shower us right. yeah. with forgiveness. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a hard thing. Like, I think later on that same page, it says, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're not wretched. I'm actually saying you're more wretched than you can ever imagine. <laughs> right. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. But 
God is more merciful right, than yeah. you can ever imagine. Where's the focus actually at? Yes. Yeah. And how can we be trained to kind of shift that? Yeah. I think going back to what's written in the notes, uh, what it says uh, on page 26, as you said, it is our state of misery which attracts his mercy. Above that, I have written, the Lord doesn't say, you idiot. Right. Why can't you get this right? Yeah. You know, those kind of things isn't what the Lord is saying. Yeah. You know, he's He's calling you to more, but you need him to do the more. Yeah. You know, we always hear that phrase and I don't want to get in a tangent with it, but be a better version of yourself. You always Mm -hmm. hear that phrase. It's become a very popular secular phrase too. And yet we find in scripture, St. John the Baptist, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. That's kind of what Father Dalbe is getting at in this chapter is more of him, less of me. Like I have to get out of the way. I have to have confidence in his love and mercy, Mm -hmm. not in what I do mm-hmm. by itself. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that it stood out to me so much about, you know, his mercy is attracted to our misery. Uh, and just like what you're saying, like, I have to get out of the way. Why? Because we are wretched. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest reasons is that um, that scripture passage that said, it's in, it's in Luke. It says, um, he did not come. I did not come. It's Jesus. I did not come for the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Mm-hmm. And even in Luke's gospel, he's very, he's very, Luke is very concerned as an author to speaking to the people who are on the outside or to showing that like God and Jesus have mercy on the people who are on the outside. And it was just a recent gospel reading of the story of Zacchaeus Mm -hmm. and he's in the tree and like, he is a chief tax collector. He is a very, very good sinner. Um, And it's not only that Jesus came for the sinners Mm -hmm. but he seeks the sinners out right you know like i feel i feel like it's super easy for us to be like yeah he came for me like he's kind of there but like he'd rather i be holy right but in the reality like he calls out the sinners to come to him zacchaeus is like hiding in a tree because he wants to be able to see over the crowd and jesus calls to him and like says come down i'm going to stay in your house Mm -hmm. and and what is his immediate response to this encounter with this forgiving, merciful Jesus? It's, you know, I'm going to give away half of my belongings. I'm going to right. return people that I've stolen from four times over. It's this transformation. And so I, I really loved this emphasis on mercy and misery and wretchedness because it's like, no, he's not just kind of like coming and meeting me where in my wretchedness, he's calling me as a sinner to come to his mercy right and he wants to stay in my house i think it's good to point that out because often we you know in my own life i've had these experiences and maybe yeah i'm even still working through some of these things as i'm reading this chapter i'm realizing that now where i am in my life where we are in our ministry work Mm -hmm. i think i'm kind of working through this presently but the idea of thinking i have to have this amount of accomplishments or be this holy right. or do these certain holy things before God is actually going to be involved in my life, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Yeah. Like he's, he's there. Always. Always. Yeah. And he's, he's drawing near to me, even if I'm not aware. Yeah. He is there and and there's nothing I have to do to, to earn that. Yeah. Him being there. That's one of my favorite things in this whole book. And I always forget which, which chapter it's in where it talks about exactly that. Like he is always there and it uses the sleep. Um, he's asleep in the it's boat. It's this chapter. Actually. Yeah. It's this chapter. I know yeah. I, I was yeah. reading it and I was like, Oh yes. Um, cause I like meditating on that every single time right. reading this yeah. book. And it's like, 
that challenge after he goes and explains, you know, that scripture passage of Jesus asleep in the boat and he wakes up and, and, and what does he say? Like you have little faith, right? But that question and that challenge to all of us, like, can we still have faith when he's asleep in the boat? Right. Enough to say you keep sleeping. It's okay. Right. And I feel like so many people go through like a dry spiritual life mm-hmm. at various stages, no matter where you're at in your conversion. Like he could be very, very lively in your prayer life or he's asleep in the boat and you're like, why aren't you talking to me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but to have that level of confidence to say, I know you are still here. It's mm-hmm. okay if you sleep. Yeah. We actually have an episode of Draw Near where we actually reflect on that passage as well, Kara. It's yeah. the um, overcoming the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's interesting because as they get in the boat and they're, they're crossing the sea, the first, the last thing he told them before they got in the boat was let us go to the other side. Right. You know, so they get in the the boat with the last words they hear. Jesus is, let us go there. In other words, that's his will. Let us yeah. go do that thing. Right. And yet when the storm arose, they found themselves fearful Questioning and it. afraid. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like, didn't didn't God say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. either he is who he is or, you know, why is it? Why do you doubt? Right. You know, and he illustrates that really well in this chapter, how he articulates Every time the Lord rebukes, if you will, the disciples, it's not you're you're a sinner. It's not um, you're a little too prideful. It's mm-hmm. not you you fly off the handle too easy, Peter. Yeah, you know you yeah. lose your temper. Um, it's it's always the doubting the Lord. Yeah, that's what He always singles out. Right, you, you have know. little faith. Right. Yeah, but that's so beautiful to think like in the trying times, and and I think. I can't speak, I don't want to speak for you, Kara, but this has been kind of the season we're in presently at the time we're Mm -hmm. we're recording this. It has been a kind of, Lord, we just launched out into the sea. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's really quiet. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah, this is a little bit scary. I think that's why this always speaks to people in every single stage of where you're at in your life, because I think it's the last half of this particular conference is exactly that. You know what you said, Fred, let us go to the other side. That's a promise. Mm. And the end of this chapter talks about, you know, when God gives you an opportunity for an act of confidence, he rewards you with an even greater act of confidence. And that example of Peter, you know, coming out like Peter wants to walk out in the water. That's his act of confidence. He's like, okay, let's go. And then his reward is Christ letting him sink. Yeah. And so that he can make a greater act of confidence in trusting that he is going to catch him. Right. And so I feel like it it very much is like this. Okay. I, I think it, it talks about how, you know, it's his peace. Right. Like that's your, he gives you the peace to the level that you give confidence. Yeah. And so when you're able to say, okay, you're going to do it. Like I fully trust you, whatever the it is in right. your life, he's going to do it. And to mm-hmm. just let his peace wash over you because you have that trust right. in him. Yeah. It's interesting because in that scripture passage, you know, it says, as Peter began to sink. Yes. He, you know, and yeah. it's, I don't know, have you've ever, you've been in water before. It's <laughs> you not don't a, begin. <laughs> you don't begin to sink. You just you know, sink. <laughs> you just sink. And so it's even in the sinking, even when we have those moments of testing and trial, in some way that we can't necessarily understand in human terms, yeah, the Lord is still keeping us from sinking like all the way. Right. You know, he's still there. We're not that far from him. Right. Unless Peter was walking on jello and yeah. not water, yeah. uh, there's not a begin to sink. Yeah. You know, the Lord has, still has him, 
even if he doesn't have your hand at the moment, right. he still has you. Right. And yeah. that's one thing that I found really beautiful too, is like it talked a lot about, um, maybe not a lot, but it references Peter and, you know, he has this great act of confidence in getting out of the boat. I don't know who would, who would do that. Like ask yourself right. in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the ocean, even if Jesus says like, yeah, get out, walk. Would mm. you actually get out of the boat and right. walk? Yeah. And then it talks obviously about him, you know, taking his eyes off Christ and, and falling and sinking. If you think of that, those accounts in scripture of Jesus interacting with Peter, he never gives up on him. No. Like he is our first Pope. Right. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, he had this, this opportunity to give this great act of confidence. And then the next time he had an opportunity, he messed up. Right. So I'm done with him. Yeah. And I think that's a really great comfort to us and an example of this love of a merciful father and a reason to have confidence in him. Because every single time we mess up, it's not like, oh, crap, you know, now he's mad at me or, oh, crap, now he's going to go yeah. pick somebody else yeah. for this ministry. It's yeah. like, no, he he's chosen you. And if we recognize the ways that we fall, we can get back and continue to grow in humility, continue to grow in confidence. Like he's still going to be with you. Yeah. It wasn't after the resurrection at the lake, you know, with Peter. Yeah. You know, after the catch of the fish, it wasn't him saying, you know, Peter, I wanted to make you the Pope, but I can't do it now because you denied me three times. Yeah. You messed up a lot of (laughs) times. You're done. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't understand so many of the parables. Like I can't. So I'm going to give it to John. He's going to be the, you know, that did not happen. Yeah. He asked. One question, I think we talked about this in the first right. uh, discussion, but do you love me? Mm-hmm. And do you have confidence in that love? I mean, that's implied. Yeah. You know. Like he's chosen each person for a particular thing. Right. And he will do it. We just have to have that peace and trust yeah. that he is going to do it. And if there's any example of misery attracting his mercy, mm-hmm. it had to have been Peter in that moment. Yeah. I mean, think about how low he right. had to have felt. Him. The Passion yeah. of the Christ, that movie handles that so beautifully. Yeah. You know, attracting that mercy and that love. Yeah. I forget which book it is, but it talks about how, I mean, it might actually be this book. Maybe it's a later chapter. It talks about how in that moment where Peter denies him three times and then it says, and, and Jesus looked at him. It wasn't a look of like, I told you so. I told you you were going to deny me three times, but it was a look of complete love and compassion Mm. because God is love. So if his look was anything other than a look of love, he's not God. Right. Right. So like just having that, that confidence, Mm -hmm. Peter having that confidence in who his friend Jesus is. He's the savior. He's the one who loves him. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the line and it's actually on our website as well. The good God would not inspire unattainable desires. Mm. And the very fact that we, some part of our heart desires holiness and desires to be a saint Mm -hmm. demonstrates that, that it is possible by God's grace, you know? And like you said, we have a, we have a habit of looking too much at our faults in some ways in the wrong perspective. Will you read that quote again? Yeah. The good God would not inspire unattainable desires. And I just actually read a different book where it says, uh, if your plans don't overwhelm or don't overwhelm you, they're offensive to God. Right. I feel like those still they're very different quotes, but they, they actually go, go to go well together right. because the point of that is, you know, he's going to give you attainable goals, but you're going to be overwhelmed with them because you can't do them by yourself. Right. Yeah. You and, have to rely on him. Yeah. And the next line, I must put up with myself just as I am with all my imperfections. Yeah. And in in my margin notes here, I have distracted, discouraged. Focus too much on my own faults, unforgiving of myself. Mm-hmm. 
Like you wrote down your faults. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's me. Those are the imperfections that I have to put up with. And then what I found here, it goes into Saint Therese wanting her elevator into the mm-hmm. arms of Jesus. Is Saint Therese is relatable? She is totally relatable. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of a soapbox for me. If anyone ever calls her relatable, <laughs> unrelatable. Unre- yeah. yeah. If anyone ever calls her unrelatable, you yeah. send them my way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah. Um. I did notice a theme throughout it too. Uh, I, f- I feel like the author really pulls in several accounts of scripture, which I absolutely love, but so many of them as examples of humility and confidence are from non-Jewish people. Um, it's You have the Roman centurion, you have the Canaanite woman, you have the good thief. All of these examples that he talks about are, are people who are not technically children of God, because that was the Jewish people. And so I actually find a lot of comfort in that because one, I think for all of us who are children of God through the the virtue of our baptism, Mm -hmm. there's a great grace in that, a great grace in growing in humility and growing in confidence. And yet scripture elevates those who are not technically children of God. And so I think like what I have, what I found is was kind of like, okay, so often I'm going to try not to, to, this isn't me like going down, like getting down on the church or anything like that. So I don't want anyone to mistake what I'm saying. I think so often it's very easy for us to get so hung up on like the rituals of the religion mm-hmm. that we forget to have confidence in the person. Right. And I'm guilty of that. I actually yeah. talk about that. I think it was in the last episode where mm-hmm. I say like the way that this book impacted me was because my whole faith was tied up in communion. And when that was taken away during COVID, I was like, what am I supposed to do with my interior life? Right. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm very much guilty of that, just wrapping everything around the church as an institution as opposed to the church as a person and the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think the like he elevates these people who are not familiar with the rituals, are not familiar with the laws of the Jewish people, but they come to Jesus in such a humble way, mm. but trusting like, you can do this, right? You can raise my daughter. You can heal my servant. Mm. You can forgive all of my life of, of thieving and sin and right. bring me to the kingdom with you, Yeah, even though I'm unworthy of that. Right. And the words of the 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 centurion. Yeah. Now institutionalized. I love that part. Yes. <laughs> in the like, mass. What glory must he feel in yeah. heaven? I love that. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible yeah. to think about that. Yeah. To your point, you know. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Um, talking about the centurion, one of the one of the things that um, is elevated is like his response to Jesus, where he's like, you know, I tell people to go and they go. I ask people, you know, whatever. And so it's this relationship between what he's asking of Christ and yet how he treats other people. And so one of the things I, I really liked is this challenge of like, how do we interact with other people? If we have this, you know, this confidence in the mercy of Christ are we merciful people to mm. other people? Right, yeah. Uh, and there was one There was one part, I think it's on um, page 35, where it talks about this. It says, uh, parents, educators, give the children confided to your care and understanding of this divine mercy by believing in it and practicing it yourself. Like show people an example of a merciful father by being a merciful person. Right. And then at the very bottom of that page, it says, how many young people have lost the faith, not from having fallen, but from not having been helped? 
with love to pick themselves up again as many times as was necessary. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's something that like is immediately on our mind. You know, we we can fall easily into guilt of ourself and mm-hmm. maybe not recognize the mercy of the father. And now we're, we're sitting here talking and like challenging everyone, recognize the mercy of the father. But in the same regard, you know, look interiorly at, am I being merciful towards other people as the father is merciful right, towards yeah. me? Yeah. Kara, I found myself in this chapter reflecting on, on that. That was another area where this chapter kind of got me this, this time mm-hmm. around was, Am I that kind of parent? Yes. Because he puts the the focus on parents especially, but am I teaching my kids the mercy and love of God? Yep. Or are they feeling like they have to earn my approval mm-hmm. or you know, I, they have to check all these boxes, if you will, or right. perform a certain way? Are they experiencing the mercy of God through me? Yeah. Um, and I found that that question really struck me. Um, that that you just read, the how many people ha- how many young people have lost the faith not from having fallen, but have not been helped and not learning the love of God. You know, I think of my life before Christ, and I think that's where I was. You know, I've, I've on our podcast, mm-hmm. I'm starting to talk about it more because you're making me. Yeah. But, you know, my in a loving way. In a loving <laughs> yeah. way, yeah. But I think of my life before Christ, and, and there was always a sense of the Lord calling and knowing what that meant right. in a way and right from wrong and stuff, but also kind of running away from him at the same time. And I did find myself in a place of being so discouraged mm-hmm. and feeling like I had sinned so much, like that I myself, like God doesn't want anything to do with me. Right. You know, I'm too bad, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm too lost to be found, mm-hmm. you know? And so you keep running I didn't know that there was mercy. A mercy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a loving God. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, that just really struck me because I, I don't want my kids to ever feel that same way. Yeah. But I like your point and tying this to everybody we right. encounter in our daily lives mm-hmm. that are they experiencing that love and mercy through us as well? Right. Yeah, just the other day. Um, so I I was kind of struggling with, you know, I had been home all day. The kids weren't listening. I felt like I was being really impatient. And so at the end of the day, I asked, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to my room. I just need 10 minutes. And then, you know, two minutes in, both of my kids come in (laughs) and they're like, mom, we want to snuggle. And how can you deny that? So they climbed up into, into bed with me and I just felt really kind of convicted in that moment. And I apologized. I was like, guys, today was really rough. Like, you know, you guys weren't really listening very well. I w- felt like I was yelling. And Clara just goes, Mom, you need to go to confession. <laughs> Actually, no, she said, affession. You need to go to affession. Um, and then like l- a couple days after this, she asked me, Mom, do I need to go to affession? I'm like, why? And she was like, well, you know, I wasn't listening and I was pouting. And no. she's four and a half, you know, yeah. so no, she doesn't need to go to confession. Um but she's like, what if, what if God doesn't uh, love me because, you know, because right. I didn't listen or because this and this. And so I kind of had to like bring her back to the realities. I'm like, well, you know, even if you do something wrong or you don't listen, like mm-hmm. do dad and I love you? She's like, well, yes. And do we forgive you and, you know, accept apologies and give you hugs? And she's like, yes. I'm like, God is going to do that even more. He's way right. better at yeah. forgiving than yeah. me and dad and he will forgive everything. And so I think like that, just tying it to, I mean, I, I mess up all the time as a parent, but try, trying to tie it to, you know, your real life and showing them like, no, he wants to have mercy on you. And then right. in relation to just everybody in the world, 
I feel like there's so many small things where it's so easy to lack mercy. Like whether we're gossiping about something and we're like, I can't believe they did that. And yet we go and do something like 10 times worse later on. And so I feel like it's maybe the mercy comes in not casting judgment on other people. Yeah. St. Therese actually makes that point in here. Mm -hmm. The idea that, um, you know, she's told she she is a saint as right. she's preparing for death. And she says, it's not me. It's mm-hmm. the rays of sun that are hitting me. Yeah. And if that sunshine should be taken away, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Then I would be, be darkness. Uh, it would be darkness. Yeah. And I think there's value in the saying, but for the grace of God, so go I. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I remember the author was saying like that somebody challenged him at a conference saying, yeah, but that was St. Therese. Like mm-hmm. she was holy basically since she was three years old. And he, he quoted herself right? basically saying that like, if anyone else had greater sin, let them receive greater mercy. And that kind of goes to, you know, our, our misery right. attracts his mercy. Right. And I think that's really beautiful because it's, when people say, you know, she's not that relatable. Okay, she was a cloistered sister. She right. never sinned. She loved God from the point she was three and had these like mystical visions. Yeah, how many of us really experienced that? Right. But her point is so beautiful, and that's why she's a doctor of the church. She teaches mm-hmm. us so many things about the love of God. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Like all of us have great, greater misery, greater sin. And her prayer was that then God would give us greater grace. Yeah, yeah. One last thing, Kara, as we round out the discussion for this week, I found a lot of beautiful prayers. Mm-hmm. Like he might not necessarily intend them to be prayers, yeah. but I, I just, I have prayer, prayer, prayer written in many of the margins here. And uh, I, th- I think you can easily turn some of these into simple prayers. So oh, yeah. I, I just want to maybe throw that out there that people would consider, like even on page 37, have the humility of the good thief and his confidence and desire for heaven. Oh Lord God Almighty, would you help us to have the humility of the good thief and his confidence and the desire for heaven. Amen. Amen.